horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Hey, great to have you with us here on Winning Ponies. What a week it is. Hope you've already downloaded your past performances and have your chicken scratch all over your daily racing forms as I do. Uh, got a trifecta of uh, veteran handicappers that you've heard many times in this show and you probably read and see on the air. Uh, right out of the gate, Dan Illman from the Daily Racing Forum. He has been so busy this week and has put together some great features with uh, with, with Mike Beers and, uh, of course, uh his other partner in crime. And then uh, in the second thing uh, spot, we're going to have Rich Eng from Las Vegas, our Las Vegas insider. Uh, then we're going to Saratoga. We're going to interrupt his handicapping seminar at the Parting Glass. And we're going to have Tom Law with us from thisishorseracing.com. So some great cappers. Now, I hope you're great cappers. Obviously, you're going to be listening. The biggest race, of course, the $6 million Breeders' Cup Classic. What an event it's going to be. Well, we were having a, a Breeders' Cup contest, not just on that race, okay? Uh, here's the contest. You're gonna, on Saturday, you're going to pick one horse in each race, and uh, we're going to score points for first, second, and third. Tiebreaker will be the final time in the Classic. All this is on winningponies.com. First prize, we're going to set you up with $150 cold cash, and then we're going to start giving you winning credit so you can start downloading all the information from Winning Ponies. Uh, second and third uh places uh we'll get uh, uh, 100 for second th- uh 75 for third 50 for fourth 25 for fifth being very generous sixth and seventh are going to get 10 winning credits and uh again the, the closest final time we'll get 10 credits so that is what's going to be happening go to winningponies.com everything i just told you already up there and they'll tell you two o'clock's the cutoff time on saturday though we're just doing the saturday races uh so hopefully you'll get those easy win credits if you don't already have some you still want to pull down your easy win forms uh it's going to be an amazing day with big pools huge payoffs hopefully all three of these handicappers are going to be to help us a little bit and to complement what you're going to see on your easy win forms uh had two huge hits out at santa Anita. Let's hope that that transfers to Delmar. Um, on the 27th, we had a $1 super high five that paid $5,200. The next day, a $2 pick six that paid $5,300. And then north of the border at Woodbine, uh, big day on uh, yesterday, uh, we had a $1 pick four that paid $3,392 and a $1 pick three that paid $3,377. So uh, going to be a great week to come on over to Winning Ponies. Uh, and don't forget, pull down the easy win forms and join us in the contest. The cost is great. It's free, and if it's free, it's for me. Well, uh, it seems like every week we're giving an obit on somebody. Uh, Legendary horseman Tom Gentry passed away at 80. I do believe I saw him a year ago at the Keeneland sale. Uh, This guy was very charismatic, and uh, I'll tell you what, he did a lot of things back in the heyday. Most of you listeners are probably too young, but uh, he started with his first horse when he was 13 years old. Borrowed three grand from his father, and uh, he turned around and sold the foal for $20,000, and he just took off from that. He was one of the first guys to buy older mares and 
turning a profit into, into selling them. In the mid-70s through the early 80s, he purchased 17 mares for $3.1 million and sold her offspring as yearlings for over $45 million. Uh, Tom Gentry was uh, quite uh, the well-known man in the bluegrass area. In 88, he sold the highest price yearling offered at public auction, $3.5 million, ended up being the 1990 European Miler Champion Royal Academy. And uh, then in 1990, he sold a filly for $2.1 million to Hall of Fame trainer D. Wayne Lucas, a horse that Lucas said was perfect in every point. So uh, uh, Tom Gentry, he's gone. He was quite a character. He used to have big parties down in the, the Lexington area. But uh, he is gone, won't be forgotten. And another guy that's going to be gone and won't be forgotten, he's been on this show many times, is none other than Mike Battaglia has announced that he's retiring as the on-air handicapper and racing analyst at Keeneland. So uh, Mike, uh, who's just, uh, he's been known as, you know, track announcer, handicapper, uh, writes for the newspaper, does handicapping columns. He's 67 years old. Uh, he started back in 74 being the Morning Line odds maker at Keeneland. He has worked there for 43 years. Uh, he was track announcer at Keeneland uh, in their simulcast wagering show today at Keeneland. Of course, he also called races uh, at uh, Turfway Park uh, for a short, short while at uh, River Downs. His dad was it was a great uh, a racing executive at uh, both uh, River Downs and Turfway Park. So Mike's going to kind of kick it back a little bit, but we wish him the best. Uh, he really had a had a fine ride. Uh, let's see, uh, let's see. Uh, Keeneland concluded their meet on track attendance was second only to last year's meet. Uh, although all source wagering was down eight point four percent as far as the leaders. Ken and Sarah Ramsey continued their wrecking-breaking pace, seven wins to earn their 19th leading owner title at Keeneland. Uh, Mike Maker, of course, training for them, got the top spot. Steve Asmussen was second. The race for leading jockey came right down to the wire with Ricardo Santana just beating out Robbie Alvarado, uh, though Robbie Alvarado did have a milestone on opening day when he became the third jockey to win 500 races at Keeneland behind only Pat Day and Don Brumfield. Okay. Belmont closed out. No surprise here. It was Chad Brown saddling 41 winners, more than doubling the number of victories from Todd Pletcher, who had 19. He's only 39 years old. How good is this guy? And how good is this guy is Irad uh, Ortiz at 25, won his first riding title since the August racetrack, and uh, he ended up winning the Belmont title, and Karavich Stables got the uh, the owner's title. And... Uh, the remarkable mare that we've talked about, Winks, uh, has become just the second horse to win the Cox Plate three times. She's just unbelievable. And they're saying that they may keep her back in training for next year. She has now won 22 consecutive races. So uh, they're saying that he may be uh, going to Europe to race, or she may be going to Europe to race in 2018 at Royal Ascot and York. So we will find out. Uh, quick stud news, Cupid, who's going to close out uh, his race career on Breeders' Cup Day, uh, is uh, going to be uh, 
being retired to Ashford Stud with some of the heavy hitters down there. Classic Empires, you know, was recently retired there. And American Pharaoh Stan Stud. Let's take a look at some of the races we handicapped last week. Uh, Real quick, uh, great victory here. My man, Bill Buff Bradley got the job done in the Fayette Stakes with the player at 8-1. to one. Calvin Burrell was in the saddle, stalked the pace, and got the job done, pulled away at the 16th pole. Then at Belmont, we took a look at the Grade 3 Athenia, and the winner in here was Off Limits, who was a slight odds-on favorite paid 390 what a ride by joel rosario he was almost a little overconfident to be honest with you uh he got up by a neck uh over my impression so really exciting race right there and uh so we also uh, had another graded uh, stakes race at, at belmont park and that was the uh, bold ruler handicap and the winner in there Get your sheets together, John. Tom's ready. Remember him? That's right. He, he danced at a lot of big dances, including the Kentucky Derby. Uh, sad to say, he competed against Gunrunner too many times. Was second him in the Louisiana Derby back in 2016. But he takes home the bold ruler handicap at Belmont Park. And I hope you had a chance to watch the two-year-old shine uh, down at Churchill Downs. The Spendthrift Juvenile Stallion Stakes, well, uh, B. Wayne Hughes, all he had to do was hand the trophy to himself. It was Spendthrift Farms fight on, even though they had to buy the horse uh, for 340000 Of course, this race, all four stallions uh, that stand at, uh, at Spendthrift Farm. And uh, this one is a, a son of Into mischief and he got the job done fight on taking that two-year-old race stars of tomorrow uh then in the rags to riches it was a monomy girl wire to wire at four to two she is a daughter of tapazar florent Giroux was in the saddle and uh, then the uh, spendthrift juvenile philly went to a daughter of their top sire malibu moon sultry Went from seventh to first, one by one and a quarter links with Corey Lannery in the saddle. All right, that's last week. We're getting ready. Get tied on. It's Breeders' Cup time, and we're bringing in the main man from DRF. He pilots DRF Live, Dan Illman. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, one of my favorite guests from the Daily Racing Forum, Dan Illman, a man that my wife thinks I have a man crush on because every time she walks in the kitchen, I'm watching one of his videos. She's like, what, this guy again? What's up with this Illman dude? I'm like, look, you just got to listen to him. Dan, welcome to Winning Ponies. John, always a pleasure to talk to you, especially on such a fantastic weekend of racing. I mean, the Breeders' Cup really is the pinnacle of the year. It is. It's it's our World Series, only we get a World Series in every division. Real quick, paint with a broad brush if you would. I know you've got this covered from woe to go as far as what we're going to see when we uh, tune in to, to DRF Live and get your live feeds over the next couple of days. Uh, we've got all the big guns out uh, with our video production on DRF TV. That's video.drf.com or the Daily Racing Forum YouTube channel. We've got our two major uh, programs out of the gate out there where Mike Beer, Matt Bernier, and I, we pretty much break down every single Breeders' Cup race. We've got video replays, formulator facts, time form U.S. pace projectors, etc. Daily Racing Forum national handicapper Mike Watchmaker on site at Del Mar with his analysis as well. Mike Welsh, of course gives his clocker report videos just invaluable information with the horses preparing for the breeders cup and how they're training coming into the race marcus hurst and steve anderson talk about the european invaders we've got nicole russo talking about pedigree in regards of the two-year-olds uh our drf players podcast crew peter thomas fornatel and jonathan kinchin uh, they've got their opinions and various pick four and betting strategy so we're pretty much locked and loaded and ready to go already all of our video <laughs> content up video drf.com daily racing form youtube channel <laughs> you're going to collapse on sunday well that's great i really have been enjoying your preview so i do i have the inside information on your picks i hope some of our listeners do if not when this show's over they can go right over there and pull down your past shows but before i get I'm, I, I told you i'm going to pick on you for the two-year-old races because you do do spa 80 babies uh with nicole so you know more about these horses than most of us uh but quick i've got to ask each one of our handicappers the Breeders' Cup Classic, uh, what a race it's going to be. And there's legitimate angles in here. You know, There's not just one standout. Obviously, everybody thought earlier in the season it would be Arrowgate. Now the spotlight has seemed to shift towards Gunrunner. But, man, we cannot throw out West Coast or Collected. 
you can't throw those horses out because they're coming into the race in peak form for a master trainer in Bob Baffert. The two big names are superstars. They deserve to be the favorite, but it's kind of interesting that they both have major questions lurking over their heads coming into this race. Is this the same Arrogate that we saw with that brilliant four-race run? The Travers, the Breeders' Cup Classic, the Pegasus World Cup, the Dubai World Cup. Is this the same horse? I don't want to find out at a short price. Is Gunrunner as effective at 10 furlongs as he is at a mile and an eighth? I don't want to find out at a short price. Is West Coast ready to handle the big boys? This is really his first major test against older horses. I don't want to find out at a middling uh, price. Listen, Collected might have to prove it one more time to a lot of folks, but I thought he beat Arrogate on the square over this track at this distance in the Pacific Classic. He seems to be training right along coming into this race. He's 7 for 7 lifetime on fast dirt. I don't know. He's one of the more underrated and underappreciated horses in the country. And Bob Baffert said it after the Pacific Classic, flushed with disappointment, I guess, after Arrogate lost, even though he trained Collected. He said, you can't make a mistake with this horse, meaning Collected, because he'll beat you. I have a feeling... This horse is going to be a good price. He's real solid. I'll take collected in the classic. And he comes in here with a buyer figure of 115. A pretty impressive uh, four-year-old colt. They took their time with him, and he certainly blossomed into a marvelous animal. All right. Now, put your feet to the fire. Let me go with what I think is one of the most wide-open races in the two-day program, and that's the kickoff. The Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies Turf. Uh, It'll be the the sixth race on Friday. you got to help me here, brother. I mean, uh, you know, know, we've got uh, six horses coming in from Europe. Um, I hope you know more than I do because I couldn't make heads or tails of this race. I think Aiden O'Brien is the two class horses in the race and the number two happily in the number 10 September, and they should give good accounts of themselves. But I'm looking forward to betting Chad Brown's other runner in here. He's going to have a rushing fall. He's going to take a lot of the money based on her big victory at Keeneland last time out. But I really like this significant form. Significant form made her debut at Saratoga, and there was all kinds of traffic issues that she kind of caused herself going into the clubhouse turn, and yet she still finished first with complete authority before being disqualified. Chad wasn't worried that she was still a maiden, ran her in the Miss Grillo last time out. She showed much improved tactical speed, very confidently handled swinging into the stretch, was immediately confronted by a couple of horses that she's going to face in this race, best performance in Orbulution, and she just shrugged them off. She is working really well leading up to the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies turf. I love her tactical speed. I think she gets the jumps on on the Euros. I think she gets the jump on her stablemate rushing fall, and I think she'll be a pretty good price. Yeah, she's listed at 8 to 1 in the morning line. You know, a lot of people are going to be looking at some of these other horses. And that's the great part about Breeders' Cup Day, Dan, is you can really dive into it because the pools are so huge, you're never going to hurt yourself. It is remarkable when you look over these 13 races, good horses, their morning line are inflated prices. You just look all over the place. You can make cases for seven, eight horses in each race. A lot of horses, you're absolutely right, uh, John, are going to fall under the cracks from a betting standpoint. I mean, these are just such juicy races to get involved in, not only from a multi-race wager where you can really you know, create a windfall for yourself, but even logical horses, favorites, for example, like the Lady Eli's of the world, they may go off. Three to one, seven to two. We're on a normal Saturday afternoon. They'd be seven to five. <laughs> All right, we're talking with Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum, one of my favorite guests, and uh, another race, uh, one mile on the turf, 
juvenile fillies. This time we've got seven European horses coming here. Uh, there's a American-based long shot that I like just because he's kind of a horse for a course if he could throw out his last race. And I'll tell you who that one is later. But right now I want to weigh in on Dan Illman's opinion in this race because it's another wide open affair. I think the favorite might be nine to two. I probably could make a case for nine of them in this race. I'm intrigued by one of the European horses that I think is going to be a big price. He's not a, a powerful opinion, but I'm going to fool around a little bit with Beckford. A lot of folks might not know his trainer, but his trainer excels over the jumps in Europe. I believe he won the Grand National. He's actually shipped horses to North America and has won some prestigious jump races here. Beckford was very well regarded in his last few races. I believe he's actually been the beaten favorite in his last three. But he was favored over U.S. Navy flag, who if he ran in this race, and he's going to run on Saturday in the juvenile, make his dirt debut for Aiden O'Brien, he'd probably be a a prohibitive favorite. Beckford was favored over him, kind of finished evenly. I like the way this horse moves. I just have a feeling he's going to run well over uh, the turns at Del Mar. Uh, I think the mile is within his scope, although he has a bit of a sprinter's pedigree. I'd fool around a little bit with Beckford. I think he's going to be a good price. Um, But this is a race, again, where you want to spread all over. Yeah, absolutely. I was up there. I looked at, uh, I believe it was Saturday's pick four wager from Mike Watchmaker. My God, he had some races where he was going six horses deep. And quite frankly, if you don't have a whole lot of buddies to go in on some of these exotic bets, <laughs> you, you're a rich man because you've really got to go deep. All right, let's jump over the fourth race on Saturday. It is the Juvenile Phillies. I would have to say that the spotlight shines on moonshine memories, but that's not to say they're couldn't be another upstart filly in here. Um, I'm not sure how Heavenly Love is going to handle the, the the ship westward, but without a doubt, horse for course and already a winner at the distance, one for one. Moonshine Memories, I, I think, has got to be the horse you key on top, at least in your tries. I agree. I think she's rightly the horse to beat. She is not a superstar. She is not brilliant or dazzling like a songbird or a beholder. She just goes out there and runs a solid professional race each and every time, as she did last time out, when she passed the two-turn test in the chandelier stakes. And she's a filly with good tactical speed. She's been handled very aggressively by Simon Callahan. And I like that, that he's gotten some racing into her. You know, a lot of these trainers nowadays, they love to give time between races. This filly just... It it seems like she's kicking the stall door down every two weeks and she wants to run. She's way the horse to beat. Uh, She's probably uh, the most likely winner on paper. Separation of powers is a terrible post position for Chad Brown, but she's the deserving second choice. There was a lot of buzz surrounding this filly uh, before she made her debut at Saratoga, and she was tremendous sprinting first time out. I'm going to throw out her second start in the spinaway where she was just involved in a torrid speed duel with Todd Pletcher's pure silver. She won the duel. She lost the war. And last time out in the Frisette, she showed a new dimension rating from off the pace and finishing. She's yet to go two turns. It's a tough post position, but she's a horse I could fool around with. I prefer moonshine memories of the two big names in there. I think think Pietti Bianchi is sort of a horse you might want to fool around with underneath an exotics because this pace could be fast. And she reminds me a little bit of Doug O'Neill's Landover Sea, who chased Songbird in vain time after time, just sort of a late runner that picks up the piece. I think she's okay, Pietti Bianchi. Maybe you can sneak her in underneath. 
Okay. Uh, again, we're talking with Dan Illman from the Daily Racing Forum, the busiest man in racing business this week, as far as I'm concerned. Um, uh, just as perhaps uh, the Moonshine Memories goes to the top on Saturday with the Phillies, let's ha- have to admit that uh, Bolt Oro has the target on his back in the uh, Breeders' Cup Juvenile. He is going to be very tough to beat. Andy Beyer, in one of the webinars we have uh, on our U Daily Racing Forum YouTube channel, he was on with Naira's Andy Serling to talk with us, give their opinions on the Breeders' Cup races. He said he could have made Boltioro's Beyer's speed figure for his front-runner victory a 113 based on the raw time. And he just, he was incredulous. He just didn't feel it was possible that Boltioro was a 113. It would have made him one of the fastest two-year-olds in the last 25 years. He gave him a 100 Beyer's speed figure, sort of an estimate, and that's still good enough to beat this field. He just looks light years better than the rest of these horses. Uh, If you think uh, he'll get beat, Chad Brown, good magic, I think is a horse with a lot of upside potential. This is a $1 million yearling, a son of Curlin, really improved second time out as a maiden. Chad showed a lot of confidence in this horse as a maiden, running him in the champagne and start number two. He was up close to a solid pace. He fought all the way down to the wire. I really like the extra distance. I like the two turns for this horse. Uh, good magic might be the one to kind of hurt Boltioro uh, if Boltioro stubs his toe, but I got to pick the favorite in here. I hate to chalk out. I do want to mention a horse, though, that I want to keep an eye on down the road, uh, John, and that's Solomini. I wonder if this is a little bit too much too soon for Bob Baffert, but I have a feeling this horse will run okay on Saturday, and then we may hear from him in some of the major derby prep races in the spring. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Curlin has really developed into uh, uh, one of the most preeminent sires here in North America. They're going to be flocking to him, and already he's proven himself on track, and he is the sire of uh, Solomini. Um, As far as storylines are concerned. Uh, One that I find very interesting uh, is the matchup between uh, uh, Lady Aurelia, who's only a three-year-old, and Marcia, who have matched strides in an outstanding race in Britain, but they're matching. While they make for a great storyline they're going against some unbelievably experienced boys in the breeders cup turf sprint they certainly are and one of them is disco partner who really has done nothing wrong this year for christophe clement in fact his only bad race has the ready-made excuse of just a boggy turf course in the four-star dave the only issue i have with disco partner is to me he seems more like a six furlong five and a half furlong seven furlong type and i wonder if he gets outfooted a little bit early at this sharp five furlongs i think holding gold is an interesting late kicker richard's boy seems to really appreciate the five at delmar a lot more than the six and a half at Santanita. But I think Lady Aurelia will take the measure of Marcia in their rematch. Marcia just got her nose down on the wire to beat Lady Aurelia when they met in Lady Aurelia's last race. But boy, you know, I, Lady Aurelia is only a three year old filly. The last time she ran in the States was at Keeneland in the spring off a six-month layoff against older horses, and she just looked sensational running that field down. Wesley Ward won the stakes race with Lady Aurelia's workmate uh, yesterday. I believe it was the Let It Ride stakes. The horse's name was Master Marion. Lady Aurelia handles that horse in the morning. Lady Aurelia is one of several favorites that just look very, very solid, but she's going to have to work out a trip. She better break at five furlongs or else she's in big trouble. 
All right. Well, we're coming out of the wire, but there's still another name I want to throw at you, and that is uh, Unique Bella. As we know, this horse was absolutely uh, sensational and then had to hit the sidelines, uh, came back in the L.A. Women's Stakes at grade three for Hollendorfer. A prep is going to be the nine to five morning line pick in the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Sprint. But the thing is, uh, again, Dan, she's she's a three-year-old going to be taking on her elders. Uh, do you think she's got enough seasoning to her? I do. I, I think she's a special horse. Remember, she was supposed to be the heir apparent to her then stable mate Songbird when she began this season. And unfortunately, a little bit of an injury knocked her out of the major races in the spring, like the Kentucky Oaks, the summer of the Alabama Jerry Hollendorfer got a late start with her. I look at these fillies and mares, these older ones, and they're solid. They're not spectacular. The highway stars and the Finley's Lucky Charms and the uh, Paul the Silver Linings. They're good mares, but I think if Unique Bella really taps into that potential we've seen, she's probably going to win. The price is unappetizing. And as a Brad Free, our daily racing form, Southern California analyst, has noted, three-year-old fillies have not done well in this race. But I think Unique Bella might be a unique talent. Keep an eye on two long shots, though. Sky Diamonds loves the course for Bill Spar. Yes. Amy's Mesa goes out for Josie Carroll. And this is a filly that's just been dominant over synthetic surfaces. If she takes to the dirt, she can impact this race at a price. All right. Well, Dan, I've got about a minute left in this segment. I just want to get your feedback on a horse that I think all of racing's fallen in love with. This should be her swan song, and that is Lady Eli in the Philly and Mare turf. Yep, she's consigned to a sale right after the Breeders' Cup. She just missed last year by a nose to Queen's Trust, who she's going to be in again. Lady Eli's been great again this year. She's way the horse to beat. Again, the price will be somewhat depressed, but you have to use her in any sort of multiple race wagers. Keep an eye on Wu Heda coming in for the Godolphin people. She missed the Queen Elizabeth II Cup at Keeneland with a little bit of a bruised foot, but she's supposedly working very, very well. But they're going to have to have them nailed on tight to beat Lady Eli. <laughs> man, man, let me tell you, you are not like me because I never did as much homework as you have when I was in school that you've done for the Breeders' Cup, Dan Elman. And uh, I want to thank you for all your insights. I want to thank you for being for us. And I want to tell all of our listeners, if they want to stay on top of the next couple of days, they need to go to DRF Live, tune in to you, watch what you're doing tomorrow, and then go back and, and listen to the other guests you've had on. The insight that you guys bring to the game is just absolutely fantastic. Thanks, John. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Best of luck to everybody in the Breeders' Cup. We're going to need it. All right, that was Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum. Now we're going to roll the dice and go out to Las Vegas with my friend Rich Ng. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right, and with me, a longtime friend, an accomplished writer, and handicapper. Uh, he's out in Vegas. I'm not going to go over his resume because I want to get to his picks. Rich Ng, how are you doing, my friend? Hey, very good, John. And uh, I, I tell you what, we have got so many people coming into town from all over the country to you know bet and participate in the Breeders' Cup here. So uh, as, as we like to say for major events, we're, we're the second best place to, to be if you can't be at the, the Super Bowl or the World Series or the Breeders' Cup. Just come out to Vegas. We, we know how to throw a party. Absolutely. Well, you and I go back quite a ways. And, I, you know, uh, real quick, I'll just say uh, uh, Friday and Saturday is not going to be like the old days at Turfway River where when Pete Rose made a $500 bet, the horse went to one to two. You're going to be able to make a big bet <laughs> on any of these races, and you won't touch the pool. <laughs> that, that, that is true. And, and plus, we have uh, a wager called the Twin Quinella out here, which is a book bet. But there's a $10,000 pot on Friday and a $20,000 pot on Saturday. And it's as simple, John, is picking two quinellas in the designated races. And I, I, I know you've done that more than a few times in your life. So, so that's, a, that's a nice carrot out there for here. It is, it is. The word Quinella is almost antique now, you know, since the advent of the Exacta. Well, Rich, listen, yep. let's jump in. Um, uh, yeah. Well, let's start. Um, all my handicappers I'm having on tonight, I, I want to start, and we don't need to go too long on it, but we all have done our homework on the classic. Uh, who are you coming up with? We know who the stars are, Arrogate and Gunrunner. We think the two upstarts are probably Collective and uh, uh, West. Yeah, West Coast. Yeah, what's your read on it? Well, uh, my read on it is that you know the the two logical horses that are going to get bet way down is uh, is the one Arrogate and the five Gun Runner. I mean, they ran a tremendous race against each other in the uh, Dubai World Cup, and but Arrogate, uh, you know his his troubles at Del Mar have been well documented. He's been beaten the last two times that he's run at Del Mar, and and, and since the Pacific Classic, uh, Bob Baffert has trained him up to this race. Uh, gun runner, uh, everything I have read uh, has been training spectacularly at uh, at uh, Santa Anita. But I, I tell you what, I you know Baffert's got four horses in the race, John, and you know we have a saying out here about Baffert is when he's got multiple entries, you always have to be afraid of the other Baffert. And with yes. that being the case, if 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 Arrogate is the main horse, then you've got three other Bafferts in the race. 
and here's here's something I'll I'll, I'll forward you. Uh, the three uh, recent uh, classics that Bob Baffert has won, there's something very much in common with them. Uh, we're talking about, uh, you know, Arrogate. Uh, we're talking about uh, American Pharaoh. We're talking about Bayern. And the thing that they're all in common is they're all Baffert three-year-olds. And yes. they all showed speed, and they all went ba- basically wire to wire. Well, there's a horse who actually, in my mind, fits that, that trend, that, that, that capability, and that is... West Coast, the number eight horse. I mean, this is, you know, what I consider one of Bob Baffert's best training jobs. And he's had about a thousand great training jobs, John, over, over his career. But, you know, I, I love this horse in the spring because Baffert uh, has been talking this horse up. But to show his horsemanship, he didn't rush him into the Kentucky Derby. He ran him in the Lexington and uh, at Keeneland instead. He did not run him in the Belmont Stakes. He put him in the undercard in the easy goer. In other words, he didn't throw him into the deep end of the pool until he thought the horse was ready, and the horse was ready at Saratoga and the Travers. He just obliterated the, all the top three-year-olds in the division. Then he had a, literally a dance in winning the Pennsylvania Derby. I think West Coast is an extremely dangerous horse, and he's my pick to, uh, to win the Classic. Yes, three times Baffert has won the Classic off that angle. All right, Rich, I know you're a guy that likes to shoot for prices. Again, this will be a Friday race I'm going to hit you up on, and that is the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, which I asked Dan about, which uh, I consider one of the toughest races of the day. Oh, there's no question that uh, uh, the turf races are going to be wide-open affairs. And, you know, we come into the same question for, was it, 25 years, John, about the European contingent that comes in. There's a tendency to, to kind of overhype them, and, and the Euros, uh, for their own part, pretty much talk up a, a good game, too, about the horses they send over. But, you know, if, if I was going to look for a trend or an angle as far as what's happened over the, the history of the Breeders' Cup, I, I think the European horses tend to do better when the Breeders' Cup has been at a place like a Belmont Park or a Churchill Downs or Keeneland. You know, back east at this time of year, there's a little more cut in the ground. Right. The, the ground is a little... Uh, softer, but in Southern California, and also this happened uh, when the Gulfstream used to host uh, the Breeders' Cup, you get that firm grass and you get that warm temperature, and uh, a lot of the European horses are pretty much growing like their winter coats and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I think they're at a disadvantage when they go to Southern California and when they go to Florida. So in my humble opinion, I'm, I'm, I'm going to respect them, but I'm going to try to beat them. And as far as uh, the Breeders' Cup juvenile turf, uh, I, I think the Euros are going to get really overbet. So uh, let me shop for a prize. I'm going to go for the number eight horse, voting control. Uh, Chad Brown, a trainer that we all know because he's just been tearing them up the last few years, a Bobby Frankel disciple. And uh, this horse had a tough trip in the Pilgrim last time out. Just got beat a half a length. But, you know, this is a kitten's joy. And, uh, you know, this is a horse, I think, that's going to love when the grass races get longer and longer. Uh, Javier Castellano, 8-1 to one in the morning line. That's the kind of thing I'm looking for. So let's see if we can upset the Europeans in the juvenile turf. I'm going to try the number eight. Voting control is my top pick. And as we said at the head of the show, Chad Brown uh, won the leading trainer title and Clarevich Stables uh, won the owner's title at Belmont Park. And it's kind of hard to believe that uh, a kitten's joy who stands for a stud fee, 100000 This horse sold for 85000 and he's already won that back. So, uh, you know, a pretty pretty good bargain basement deal uh, right there. Uh, well, uh, Rich, uh, now uh, one of the races that uh, – 
I, I told you I'm going to challenge you on, it wasn't your request, but I want to <laughs> challenge you, is going to be the Breeders' Cup distaff. I mean, we're talking about last year's Sensation Champagne Room. Uh, we're talking about Stellar Win that was uh, second in this race in 15, fourth in 16. Uh, Abel Tasman, the Kentucky Oaks winner, who's only taken one bad step this year, uh, and that was in the, the, the Cotillion after an awkward break. You've got a late, the Mott horse that just seems to be blooming and blooming. Again, the three-year-old fildies taking on their elders. You can't take anything away from Forever Unbridled, who, who's just been sensational. And, and in this race last year, only missed by a length and a quarter behind a couple horses our listeners have probably heard of, Beholder and Songbird. Um, help me ferret this group out. This is an un- <clears throat> unbelievably difficult race. But, the, you know, two horses that are kind of lumped together because if you look at their campaigns, they're, they're somewhat similar is that the, the two stellar win and the six forever unbridled. I mean, they've only started three and two times respectively, and they're all wins. But what they basically have done, their connections, is they pointed for the, the Breeders' Cup at this staff and have worked backwards. So these horses, you know, very little, you know, racing. And uh, they both seem to be coming up to the race just perfect. The stellar wind is also won all three of her starts at uh, Del Mar. But then uh, the other two major contenders are both three-year-olds, and that is uh, the number five, Elate, and the number four, Abel Tasman. Tasman, of course, is trained by Bob Baffert. But I've kind of got an opinion of separating those two. Uh, Elate uh, is a horse who's just been developed beautifully by Bill Mott. Uh, her development is, uh, to some degree, similar to West Coast, where she was uh, not ready for the heavy hitter's in the spring, but she has been very ready for them in the late summer and fall. Uh, her race in the, the Bell Dame, uh, if, if your listeners watch that, you got to see the replay of the way she kind of bowled her way through the field and then just galloped away in their Jose Ortiz, but she is really coming on strong late. Abel Tasman, I, I, I have an opinion here. I, I, I get the feeling she might possibly be going over the top. She ran so many huge races during the, the spring and summer. She, uh, you know, when she got beaten the Cotillion, I, I quite frankly couldn't believe it because it looked like a race that she would be able to dance just like West Coast did because they both shipped out at the same time to, uh, to Parks Racing. But uh, so I kind of have a negative a little bit on Abel Tasman, but uh, I ended up picking Stellar Wind, but I wouldn't be shocked to see a, a three-horse photo finish between Stellar Wind, Elate, and uh, Forever Unbridled. No, I, I think it's just going to be a fantastic race. It really is going to be. Well, um, <clears throat> another race that uh, we we haven't approached, uh, so I'll throw this one at you. I'm trying to think if i got any more of my highlights of Rich. Yes, um, the uh, Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly. That's a Saturday race. We didn't talk about that yet, did we? No, uh, we we haven't, and you know, there's an interesting uh, dynamic in play here in the fact that uh, there's a uh, a 13 horse field, and two of the major contenders both came out of the Brazette, and they drew the two worst posts. That's the uh, 12 uh, Caledonia Road and the 13 Separation of Powers. Both uh, figured to, to take a lot of action off a very uh, fast speed figure race in the Frisette, but. Um, in my humble opinion, I thought that number was so big and they drew so poorly that, you know, they might be vulnerable in that scenario at that price. So um, I was actually looking for something else in the race that I'm going to try to zero in on is the Alcibiades at Keeneland. 
and the top two finishers there were the one Heavenly Love uh, from uh, Mark Cassie and the three Princess Warrior who ran second. And uh, I look at the odds, one horse is 9-2 to two and the other one's 12-1. to one. So I'm going to take a shot at the three as my top choice. Princess Warrior from Kenny McPeak. Uh, this horse ran a distant second in the Alcibiades. But I, I, I tell you what, the, the race that this horse ran at Churchill when she broke her maiden was so impressive. And uh, I really loved her, quite frankly, in Alcibiades and was disappointed that she didn't run so big. But if you just look at the buyer numbers, she ran an 86 in that maiden win. And then she ran a 71 in the Alcibiades. It, she, to me, she looks like a horse who, for whatever reason, you know, didn't didn't run her full A game. And if I really think that if she bounces back, uh, John, and runs her A game uh, on uh, Saturday, I think she has a, a tremendous chance to upset at a square price. So um, she's going to be my top pick at twelve to one. The three Princess Warrior for Kenny McPeak with jockey uh, Brian Hernandez up. Well, you know, I love both of those guys and. Uh, I would like to uh, see nothing but them in the winter circle. <clears throat> you know, their uh, local boys make good. Not that uh, Brian was local. He's a Louisiana guy, but he's in the uh, <clears throat> central Kentucky area now. And uh, his wife was uh, a, a prior Gallup girl at River Downs. And uh, uh, Kenny McPeak won his first race at River Downs. So I always kind of root for for the locals. Well, Richard, I could... Uh, stretch it out a little bit i'm trying to uh look at a race that i haven't covered at all and i'm probably just throwing at you kind of crazy and uh so if you could go to the eighth race on saturday uh the breeders cup sprint uh six furlongs obviously uh we've got defrong that won this race but he's kind of a head scratcher because something happened after that race uh returned in the bing crosby through mike smith in the gap and then comes back in the grade one forego all the way over at Saratoga, ships from the West Coast, and uh, gets the job done in very easy style. Uh, do you think he's got enough freshening to get the job done again, or uh, should we worry about some others in here? Well, before I get to the race, I actually want to make a comment about uh, Kenny McPeak's first win at River Downs. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but I was there that day because uh, Kenny was a friend of a mutual friend of ours, Bruce Casella. And sure. Kenny, Kenny told Bruce and I uh, to go to River Downs that day because he had a heck of a chance to win that first race. So we were both there at the track <laughs> when he won really? the first race of his career. Yes, we were there at, at River Downs. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this, uh, uh, that uh, before they tore the track down, I went into the video room and found Kenny's first win. Uh, it was actually on beta tape, <laughs> and, uh, oh and, and and found it. And Kenny, as anybody knows him now, he actually had long hair in the winter circle. <laughs> so, so, so you, well, he's a good egg, and he's certainly someone that we always root for. He's had a lot of success, a great career. Yeah, uh, he, you know, as far as his, I'm sorry, good. No, 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 no. Go, go ahead, please. Oh, I, I was just going to move on to the to, to the sprint, but uh, you know, Mc, Kenny McPeak is somebody. One of these days, he's going to win a Kentucky Derby, and that would be uh, something that would be just so satisfying for his career and for uh, those of us that are his friends. That's for sure. Well, you know, uh, he's the guy that actually selected Curlin 
out of the sale and thought that he was going to get the chance uh, to uh, to train him, and uh, it, it, uh, uh, it it never. Um, it never came to fruition, and I think he's been kicking himself in the butt ever since. And uh, wow, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he's like he recommended the purchase of the horse. They did buy the horse, and he never got to train him. And uh, you know, if you talk to Kenny after he's had a couple beers in him, <laughs> he'll bring this subject up. <laughs> wow, and, that is uh, a big fish that got away. <laughs> yeah, think about it, because not only did, did he end up being such an outstanding horse on track, uh, he looks like now that he's going to be a preeminent sire. I mean, he's really uh, mm-hmm. he's really taken over. Yeah, there's, there's no question about that. Um, and I tell you what, as, as far as the last race for me to take a look at, you know, we'll, we'll, let's take a look at the sprint. I mean, just you know, keep rolling because we're having a hard time getting a hold of Tom Law. I know he's at the parting glass, so anything could be going on there. <laughs> yeah, the parting glass. I, I've had a few Saratoga beers in my life, too. <laughs> but uh, uh, as far as the. Go ahead, please. And by the way, I just got a message from Tom, and he says he's at the seminar in the parting glass, and it's going late. So, Rich, if you've got another 10 minutes, I need your help. Okay. We'll figure something out. Um, actually, uh, I haven't uh, officially made a, a selection in the sprint, but I certainly have some observations. I mean, Dre Fong, uh, a lot of people take a look at that Bing Crosby and and uh, they don't remember what happened, but uh, if what happened, but the, the horse was in a in like a rail draw, and they had that a temporary rail that was going across uh, the main track, and this horse ducked in badly uh, under Mike Smith and uh, threw the rider. Mike was okay, the horse was okay, but uh, obviously it looks kind of funny to see uh, uh, a blank line for the Bing Crosby. But you know, if anybody was figuring out if this horse had any issues. Well, you know, Bob Baffert uh, dispelled all of them when he shipped the Saratoga and won the Fargo. So, you know, if, if anyone thinks this horse is going one way or the other, uh, with Baffert and uh, the way this horse has been running, this horse is only going to go up. So, uh, obviously, the, the the deserving favorite in this race. As far as a couple other horses worth looking at, uh, you know, Whitmore, his trip in the Phoenix, I couldn't believe this horse still won. I mean, this horse must have run an extra furlong compared to some of these others. He was way out on the racetrack and still won in a blanket finish. So uh, we'll be, I'll be interested to see how he runs, you know, trying to come from way back. And uh, another horse that is interesting to me is Roy H. Uh, Peter Miller. Yes. Uh, this horse ran a huge race to win the Saratoga Sprint Championship and uh, ran in that Ben Crosby, uh, uh, the race before, against... Uh, Dre Fong. So, you know, there's some interesting characters in there who want to shop for some prize, but, you know, Dre Fong's going to take some sort of beating if uh, you want to try to get past him as a prize. 
Yeah, he, he is. And, and again, I agree. I mean, Roy H. just seems to have a, a lot of upside. He's a five-year-old now. He's won over half a million, but it's kind of like he got this wake-up call as soon as he turned into a five-year-old. And, and Peter Miller's done an outstanding job with him, uh, has never finished worse than second, and that was to Ransom the Moon, who's going to be in this race. Uh, he's Ransom the Moon is, is 12 to 1. So again, uh, the sprint has given us some huge prices uh, in in the Breeders' Cup over the years, so you just don't know. Another horse that has a, a slew of talent uh, that just missed in this race last year to DeProng uh, was Mind Your Biscuits. He took the Dubai route, tried the uh, Golden Shanine, and ended up winning by three. So he's won $2.2 million. It's a posse colt, New York bred. Boy, you can't look down your nose at the at the New York program anymore. And uh, I, I certainly think that Mind Your Biscuits, even though he kind of threw in a little bit of a clunker in that forego, is, is somebody has got to be considered a threat. And the odds maker made him 6-1, to one, which if you're in the Breeders' Cup in 6-1, to one, you're considered one of the favorites. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's why betting on the Breeders' Cup Friday and Saturday is, is so much fun for for those of us is because you get full fields, big odds, big prices. And, you know, there's very few, when you think about it, John, you know, like and when I'm doing handicapping on a daily basis, usually uh, my first pass through the field, you know, I can eliminate, say if there's a 10-horse field, I can usually eliminate two, three, four horses that I really don't think have hardly any chance at all of winning. But when you're trying to do that in a Breeders' Cup with a 12 or a 14 horse field, very few horses can you put the, the line through. So that's what makes it so so excellent as far as value. And when you're betting, say for example, vertical wagers like a trifecta and superfecta, um, if you don't use the all button, you're in danger uh, in some of the lower spots on your ticket because it's like almost anybody can wake up at you know 40 and 50 and 60 to one and get into your number. And you got to be ready for for stuff like that to happen. Well, uh, Rich, well, uh, I've got about four minutes left, and thank you very much for staying on with us because I did just get a message that Tom's not going to be able uh, to be with us. Uh, between the, uh, the the Breeders' Cup Mile and the Breeders' Cup Turf, uh, do you want to weigh in on any, either of those? Yeah, which one? Which number race is the uh, mile, John? Uh, the mile the, uh, the is dirt. is the ninth race, and uh, my note at the top of my PPs is wide open. And uh, what you've got <laughs> in here is, you know, you've got, uh, you know, uh, euros. You're going a mile on the turf. But again, I think you made a very good point, Rich, in that. When you go back and look at these euros, you look at soft, 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 yielding, soft, soft, you know, uh, good. Now, granted, the euros have also been packing 130, 134 pounds in some of the races. So 126, they're getting in light. I think Ribchester uh, might be the most uh you know, respected of the European horses in here. Um, but again, maybe this is a chance for an American horse to jump up. Uh, I've got a live long shot in here, and that's the the inside horse at 15 to 1, Midnight Storm with Tyler Bays. I mean, he absolutely loves Del Mar, has won five of his seven mm-hmm. starts, and loves the distance, has won $740,000 uh, going this one mile. Uh, you know, uh, he's got uh, turf, 14 starts, seven wins, and he's 15 to one. I mean, let's face it, it's Breeders' Cup. You can, you can find that. Yeah, you know, that's a very interesting horse to point out because I'm obviously very 
familiar with them being based out of Southern California. But, you know, they ended up trying him on the dirt and having relatively good success with him in, in dirt handicap races. So his uh, turf career got sidetracked, you know, for running on the main track and butting heads against some of the toughest handicap horses in the country. But if you look at his turf resume, I mean, this horse is absolutely no slouch. And in fact, if you take a look at uh, the November uh, 2016, uh, he ran in the uh, the Breeders' Cup mile at Santa Anita, and he was right there at the wire. He only got beat a couple of lanes uh, and lost to a horse called Turris for uh, uh, trainer Bill Mott. And so, uh, and uh, the horse that ran second was a horse called Teppen. So I've he heard ran against an yeah. unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, he ran against an unbelievable field last year. So uh, I, I think you may be onto something as a horse who could uh, slip onto the radar, a horse like Midnight Storm, back on a, a surface that he really loves, at a track that he really loves. Well, I get I get accused of being a chalkmeister all the time, but uh, this is my uh, one of my better long shots of the day is uh, Midnight Storm in the Breeders' Cup miler, mile, and uh, obviously there's you know great talent in there, particularly uh, – about half the field are European horses, but again, you made the case. It's a different kind of footing on the West Coast. And Rich, I, I I'm not a media urologist, but I'm guessing the weather's supposed to be good, and we wouldn't expect a soft course, would we? No, I would expect the ground to be pretty firm uh, at Del Mar the next couple of days. And you know, another thing too is just the dimensions of the uh, oval. It's a lot tighter than European horses are used to. You know, some of the courses in Europe are pretty, you know, free-flowing and these wide-sweeping turns. Well, you're not going to get that at Del Mar. It's going to be tight turns. And, you know, that's also what creates a problem with some of the jockeys, not that they're not all world-class jockeys, but still you're going to get some constricted tight areas, tight quarters, you know, trying to the, to move on the turn and things like that. So it kind of makes trouble trips for some of these kids out there who uh, maybe uh, aren't as adept with the, the American Racing is, uh, you know, some of the fellows. So interesting to watch is to see what trips these European jockeys were able to get against the American jockeys. Well, Rich, you know, I looked down in the sand. The both of us were walking along. I only see one set of footprints. You've been carrying me along. I thank you very much. My producer's telling me i got to close out the show. Have a great Breeders' Cup, and thanks for being with us on Winning Ponies. Don't forget, we've got a free Winning Ponies contest. Go to winningponies.com. It's free. we got cash awards. We've got winning credits. And I want to tell you to share the show with your friends uh, on podcast because we had some great insights from Dan Illman and Rich Eng. Thank you for listening. I'm John Engelhart. Remember, have a great Breeders' Cup weekend. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.